Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 107, part one of the talk given by Chris Thomas, entitled Contemplating the Face of Christ. I've been a priest for 27 years and for the first five years I worked solely with young people. I was then sent to the university in Liverpool where I spent seven years. I was then a parish priest for five years and for the last ten years I've been running a project called the Irenaeus Project which is a project really just to help people pray and reflect to help people maybe explore what God's trying to say to them, to, to try and open up the scriptures a little bit, to try and say to people that we need, somebody said something about the, 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 the wheel, getting off the wheel, you know, just to help people step off the wheel and, and, and take a step back and, 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 and see what God is doing. God is everywhere, but often our eyes are clouded. And, and, and times of silence... Weekends like this just, just enable us to get things back in focus so that we can see more clearly the face of God. So, so we, we've gathered to contemplate the face of Christ. It's quite a powerful title if you think about it, to contemplate the face of Christ. Where will we meet the face of Christ? In the silence? In one another? In the sacraments we celebrate, in times of prayer, but we will meet the face of Christ. And I think my, my role really is just to offer a few thoughts and a few possibilities. The small team that I'm part of have over the years become storytellers. We, we tell lots of stories, sometimes they're our own and sometimes they're other people's. But, but I've found over the years that it's not always what the stories say that move me. It's what they leave unsaid. And how what they leave unsaid challenges me and invites me into the process of change. I, I think the power of story is being recognized more and more in the world today. You know, we, we have lots of professional storytellers. You've only got to go across the water to Ireland and you'll meet lots of people <laughs> who tell lots of stories but but also in the church you know we have theologies of story people like John Shea Megan McKenna William Bausch are all people who've allowed the the power of story to to emerge and and to touch the lives of people why would stories be so important I think it's because they're an incredibly powerful medium to help us enter into the process of change and to call us into prayer where transformation can begin to take place. If you look at the Gospels, Jesus told story after story after story. Why? Because Jesus was into transformation. Jesus never wanted to leave anyone in the same place where he met them. 
He always wanted them to move. He always wanted them to change. He always wanted them to grow. Just think of some of the stories that he told. Stories like the, the, the story of the, the, the forgiving father. Or the prodigal son. The story of the two men who went up to the temple to pray. The landowner who paid everybody the same amount regardless of the amount of work that they'd done. They're all stories that have the power to change us. They're all stories that have the power to help us enter into the process of transformation. Even the most hardened of us. They challenge our preconceived ideas. They challenge the attitudes of mind that we have. They invite us to be open and to find new life and, and new understanding. They challenge us to let go of what we thought we knew and to trust in the God who wants to work a miracle of transformation within us. It, it, it often strikes me, you know, that if we're not open to that change that we're, we're called to, um, that, that really we're not open to the power of the gospel. Holding on to our way of doing things, holding on to our understandings, holding on to our wisdom, has got nothing to do with being open to the power of the gospel that wants to move us and change us and transform us. I, I've been doing this sort of work, as I say, for about 10 years and listening to lots of people's stories, lots of people's images of God and, ah, oh, gee, you know, so many of us seem to want God to dance to our tune. You know, we create God in our image and likeness. We expect God to work things out in the way we want them worked out. And, and it seems to me that's not being open to the Spirit. That's not being open to the, to the Gospel. It's just control and manipulation. We're very good at camouflaging what we do. We're very good at camouflaging what we think. The invitation I'd like to give you this weekend is to trust and surrender. And in the silence, let God do what God wants to do. However painful and difficult that may be. And at times it can be very painful and very difficult. Most of us live, I think, with a, a dualistic image of God. We, we believe that God is in some things but not in other things. That, that God is in heaven and occasionally deigns to visit God's people here on earth. Or that God is present when good things happen but not always when bad things happen. Or God is only in us when we're good, but not when we're bad. I think the biggest movement that we're called to make is to recognize the truth that God has irrevocably chosen to be with us, in good and bad, when we are good and when we are bad, that God is simply present. And, and the journey of transformation is about opening our eyes so that we see. You know, I think Jesus came to show us that the, the very air we breathe <laughs> is imbibed with the presence of God. That, that God is simply with us. I remember many years ago reading the story of um, the, the, the Allied troops liberating Auschwitz. And one of the men who, who had to walk into that hellhole, really, was told to go and look in the bunkers and see what he could find there. 
And he went from one to another and he felt sick with what he saw. He came to the final bunker, walked in, it was empty. And he stood there for a minute wondering what atrocities had, had been committed there. And he noticed on the wall that there was some sort of scratching and he went across to look and the sentence that had been scratched on the wall was God is nowhere but somebody had scrawled a line between the W and the H so that the phrase read God is now here wow the journey of transformation is so that we can get to a place where we can say whatever happens in our lives God is here God is present. God is with us. This is one of my favorite stories at the moment. <coughs> An old man sat in his rocker day after day. He promised not to move from his spot until he saw God. On one fine spring afternoon, the old man rocking in his chair looking for God saw a young girl playing across the street. The little girl's ball rolled into the old man's garden. She ran towards it but stopped and looked at the old man and said, Mr. Old Man, sir, my name's Lizzie, and I see you every day rocking in your chair and staring into nothing. You look sad. Can I help you? The old man sighed and said, Miss Lizzie, I'm looking for God. With all due respect, Mr. Old Man, sir, you rock back and forth in that chair every day searching for God? Miss Lizzie responded, puzzled. Yes, I want to know before I die that there is a God. I need a sign, said the old man. A sign, sir, a sign, said Miss Lizzie, now quite confused by the old man's words. Mr. Old Man, sir, God gives you lots of signs. Every breath you breathe, fresh flowers, birds singing, babies being born. Sir, God gives you a sign when you laugh and when you cry, when you feel the tears roll from your eyes. God gives you a sign in the wind and in the rainbows and the changes in the seasons. All of the signs are there, but do you not see them? Mr. Old Man, sir, God is in you and God is in me. People are signs of the presence of God. With one hand on her hip and the other hand flailing about the air, Miss Lizzie continued. My mum says... Miss Lizzie, if you're searching for something monumental, you've closed your eyes. To see God is to see simple things. To see God is to see life in all things. That's what mum says. That's not enough for me, said the old man sadly. Lizzie walked up to him and placed her young childish hands over his heart and spoke softly into his ear. Sir, it comes from in here, not out there pointing to the sky. Find it in your heart. Then, Mr. Old Man, sir, you will see the signs. Miss Lizzie, walking back across the street, turned to the old man and smiled. Then, as she bent down to smell the flowers, she shouted, My mum always says, Miss Lizzie, if you're looking for something monumental, you've closed your eyes. God is present. And the gospel invites us to open ourselves up to that overwhelming presence. I, I often think that the, the story of the transfiguration is really an invitation to enter deeply into the presence of God. 
in Jesus. A presence that can transform us deeply within. A presence that can enable us to discover the truth that Julian of Norwich, that, that wonderful 13th century mystic, discovered when, when, when she said this, In his love he clothes us, enfolds us, and, and embraces us. That tender love surrounds us, never to leave us. You see, when we open our eyes, when we begin to see that God is present, when we're in the process of letting go of the things that stop us seeing, then we will know the truth that we are loved by God. You know, that's the, the basic truth of the gospel, that we are loved. I hope that your experience over these couple of days will enable you to open yourself up more fully to that love. I hope that you'll get a glimpse of the immensity of that love that's in the heart of God for you. I hope you begin to realize that there's nothing you can do that can make God love you any more than God already does. That we can't earn it. It's simply gift. And the silence and the openness and the willingness and the desire to see can help us know the truth that we're loved. I often very, find it very sad, you know, that we took the very simple message that Jesus came to bring and, and we turned it into a reward system. We, we turned the Bible, you know, which for me is God's blatant, ferocious, outrageous love story. And we made it into a dry, dusty, moral handbook by which we're supposed to live a good life. You know, the Bible is a love story between God and God's people. It was never written as a moral handbook. It was never written to tell us what to do. It was written to enable us to enter into this mystery of love. To help us see more clearly. To find the presence of God in the ordinariness of our lives. If you read any of the great mystics, you know, you, you, you'll find that that's the truth they all knew. I, I was reading just recently some of the writings which are attributed to St. Clair. And, and they were incredibly powerful reflections on the, the truth that God is love and that love is accessible if we're willing to just take the time to reflect and to pray. This process of transformation isn't really about doing anything. It's about becoming When we begin to open ourselves to the, the power of the gospel, when we begin to experience love, when we begin to see the presence of God everywhere, then we become love ourselves. We become forgiveness ourselves. We become joy ourselves, because that's what we've met in the heart of God. I, I heard someone recently say that as long as we do loving things, and joyful things and peaceful things we're one step removed from transformation because it's all about becoming we are to be love we're to be forgiveness
So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximise your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.